What is up, my gorgeous listeners? This is Deconstructing, and I am one of your hosts, Curtis Cooper, and I am joined by the illustrious Delaney Harris. Hey. Delaney, for the second week in a row, um, we've chosen a topic that you pitched. Oh, really? I was just hoping that you could start us off again, because I I like... I liked how you started us off last week. All right. So today's topic is the question, actually, what is sin? And when I pitched this, I was kind of kind of thinking, um, what do you think is sin? What what is what is sin? Is it an act? Is it a state of being? Is it a feeling? Is it a thought? What is sin and what makes something sinful? Ooh, that's like seven questions wrapped in one. Seven questions wrapped in one. We'll delve into the basics here, though. And okay, um, so let's start by, I guess, I guess we could start by talking about the obvious, like sinful actions, right? Yeah. Um, And I would like to know what both of us think of as sinning from a religious standpoint, and then we'll kind of talk about sinning from a just a human morality like um secular standpoint too because i do believe sin exists in both spheres definitely all right and and there's obviously a lot of overlap in my opinion um so del when you're because you're a christian we both are yep um what do you religiously define as sin religiously i define sin as anything that goes against the character of God, not necessarily something that's like out of the character of God, but something that goes out and defies the character of God. And so the character of God in my perception, my understanding, my experience of it is full of kindness and love and empathy and compassion. And it is a character that's, you recognize it more than you're told about it. You can see it in people or in actions or in in life itself and things that push against that concept so like cruelty and unkindness <laughs> and things of anti-kindness. that nature anti-kindness things of that nature are what i perceive as sin i but, totally agree go, oh, go yeah, ahead no i was gonna say but i think that it's um it's sometimes it can be case by case and sometimes there is like a universal understanding and so it's something that um I think you can only really define for yourself and your experiences, but I'm curious to see what you think. What do you think sin is? Um, So according to like my religious beliefs and context I'm coming from, like I, I pretty much hundred percent agree with you in that it's basically something, at least in terms of actions that are contrary to who God is, what God wants from their children and just whatever um we do to and i've heard it explained like this a lot from um specifically a lot of like evangelism like talks and stuff where like it's missing the mark and not kind of like meeting god's character okay which i mean i don't really like that it's framed like that because to me it means to me that kind of has a context of like oh you're just not good enough and you have to like work up to that standard or something. And like, that's a little bit legalistic sounding. Um, And we are not into that on deconstructing. No, not into it at all. 
Um, so yeah, I think that talking about like, I think it's a very tricky subject to kind of cherry pick like biblical quote unquote sins to see like, okay, yeah, that we should take that completely literally today. Okay. Um, because like God like commanded like all of his peoples throughout all of recorded biblical time to do and not do a lot of stuff that literally doesn't apply to us at all. Right. Like there's obviously the, um, the example in Leviticus where like if a woman was on her period, they would like literally send her out. Right. Away from society. Be isolated and like do her own business. Yeah. And you're like, huh? Yeah. I mean, God commanded her to do that. Like, and I mean, I personally believe it was for like health reasons and, that God was literally trying to like protect women from being raped, Mm, especially when they were like on their periods. Um, But at the same time, like that does not apply to us today at all because we have modern medicine. And I think it's, I think it's even a slippery slope when you talk about the 10 commandments. Curious to know what your thought is about that. Where like, um, I've heard all kinds of arguments about the commandments about how they're completely literal and their the literal translation and application of them still holds up today and that we should take it word by word verse by verse and completely adhere to it but i've also heard the same people get the arguments of like well yeah i mean we do take it literally but the 10 commandments mean more than they actually quote unquote say like i've heard people argue that yeah i mean thou shalt not take the lord's name in vain is it's, it's talking about like, oh yeah, you shouldn't use God's name as a swear word, but it's also means that you shouldn't live contrary to your outspoken beliefs. And right. I'm like, well, you just contradicted yourself because you put extra meaning on something you said we should take literally. So right. it's kind of a, kind of a tricky um, one-two punch with the Ten Commandments. So what are your thoughts on the Ten Commandments specifically? The Ten Commandments specifically. So, okay. So I have heard a lot of negative feedback to my opinion. So brace yourself. I, I mean, think... that's what this podcast is built around. That's that was, what this... <laughs> is bringing the truth to the masses, our truth. You are absolutely right. All right. So here is what my um, perception, I guess, of the Ten Commandments are. I think the Ten Commandments were established in the time they were for the people they were established for. And I think they were established to keep them from living life. Like, I think they were established to keep them living life to a moral code. Now, I think that as we've grown and progressed in our understanding and connection with God, because the God that you and I worship um, is the, the God of Israel. We have a story, the Bible, that goes way back in history about who he is and what we are, our understanding of who he is. So we can kind of gather a moral code from that. But those people were just starting out without a moral code. And I think God wrote that moral code for them so they could come into a better understanding of him. Now here today, we have a different understanding of him because we also have what happened after the Ten Commandments were written. We had the life of Jesus to look at, and we had the life of other people that God has sent to earth. And we also have what happened after biblical canon was over. Exactly. Yes. And so I think that it benefits us to re-examine the Ten Commandments and to read about them and to kind of see what they were intended for, like why God made those rules. But Mm -hmm. I don't necessarily think that they are supposed to be 
the 10 commandments that we live by absolute to this day. Now, a lot of them are kind of like no brainers, I would say like, um, yeah, because God was trying to like literally establish a society. Exactly. Yeah. And we know from like mental health standpoint, the seventh day being the Sabbath, we know that if you have 24 hours in a seven day week and you take the 24 hours off of work that your other six days of the week are more productive than if you absolutely didn't. yes and, and like so that that, ex- that extends even further because like studies have shown recently that four day work weeks are way more productive than five day work weeks yes absolutely and so i think that we know that we have the ability to have that knowledge now we have the technology to do like massive research and to look at that and so i think that it would be almost foolish for us to say well you know saturday even though i can't get this amazing job i always wanted because i have to work on the saturday on the sabbath I, i can't take it because of that when in reality we can say well no i need to have some rest for myself if i work like for example if you're a flight attendant and your flight path is a wednesday to a monday well then tuesday would be your day off and I don't think that there's anything wrong with that. And so I think the Ten Commandments, in short, I think that they are designed to create a moral code that we can now create from what the, the other things that God has left for us here. So that's my perception on them. Does that answer your question? Absolutely. Yeah, I think that um, what's what you said about them, like re about God, like giving them something to live by is important. Because mm-hmm. I believe we talked about this in like the purity culture episode briefly, or like where um, when the children of Israel came out of Egypt, they were basically barbaric slaves. Right. Um, and they had been living in this foreign, incredibly advanced civilization for hundreds of years. And they were basically godless um, at that point. And they had no idea of how to govern themselves and they just ate whatever was in front of them. And I assume they had a high mortality rate. Mm -hmm. And so God looking down on these people was like, I have to spell it out on exactly how they're going to live or else they're going to kill each other and themselves. Right. Right. And I think that the 10 commandments was definitely the bedrock of all that. It's the bedrock of all the Levitical laws. Mm-hmm. And I absolutely think that um, their spirit is still relevant today um, okay. because they're basically like, I think they're inter, they're part of what's interwoven into our moral framework as human beings. Mm. Because um, I think most people um, now DSM, um, mentally um let's see mentally challenged people aside i think most people believe that murder is wrong and you don't have to open up a verse of the bible and tell them murder is wrong Mm. that's just something that we all kind of just know right and same thing with like cheating or like stealing from someone obviously Mm -hmm. yeah and if you want to go even deeper than that we have started to prove like the more like um, kind of vague, like spiritual commandments as well. How, like you were just saying, like our bodies are built to require rest. Right. And I think if God told them, the children of Israel, like, Hey, take whatever day you need to rest. I'm not going to dictate a day. Like they just wouldn't have rested. Right. He had to be like, literally you take this day or you will hear it from me. Yeah. Right. 
And um, the whole like idolatry thing was tied to a lot of crazy practices back in the day. And God did not want his people killing their own children and sacrificing. Right. That's another like aspect of like, hey, functioning societies, or at least like positively growing societies do not function that way. Right. And so I think that pretty much every commandment can be explained both in terms of how like, okay, yeah, this is literally what God told them to do. But also like, it also says a little bit about the human condition and the human relation to how we relate both to ourselves and to other people. Right. Because I think that people split the Ten Commandments oftentimes into the first four and the last six. First four relating to God, the last six relating to our fellow people. Mm. But I also think the first four relate, in a sense, to our self-care through our relationship with God. Okay. Because the God we serve is a God of self-care and of self-admiration even, where he's like, hey, you can renew your mental and physical health through communion with me one week, one day out of every week. And they care about us. And like you said, that is what's important. It's not about saying like, okay, how can we keep all of these Old Testament laws to the letter? Right. Because that's literally, that type of legalism is what's causing a lot of people to be disinterested in Christianity overall. Like not just Avenus, but pretty much every evangelical faith. They're like, yeah, I mean, we're, we're pumping all these rules down people. We have no idea why they're leaving. Yeah. And you're like, yeah. well, I mean, you got no love and you got no passion about what you're actually saying. So right, we can see yeah. through that. So we leave. And I think a, a sin, going back to a sin, I think a lot of, because a lot of people think that like the Ten Commandments are, if you violate those and you are sinning, I don't think that that has almost anything to do with sin, really. Ooh, explain that. Well, I think sin is um, almost like the tearing down of another person. That's like, I think what it boils down like to the root of it, because um, we look at the life of Christ and that's personally, that's where I look to see if I am living a Christ-like life, if I'm acting as Mm -hmm. a Christian, is I just look at his life and something he never, ever did was tear someone down. And if Mm. someone needed to be put in their place, he did it, but he did it in a way that was tactful and gentle, but yet still made his point. And often the people that he was, you know, um, correcting, sometimes they were the only ones who realized he was correcting them. And other people were like, what is he talking about? (laughs) So I think that when we look at um, when he, when Christ looked at sin and he, he would just gently say, Hey, like, that's not how you should be living. It's not a, Hey, you're violating my law or, or you're violating me in any way. It's like, no, this is not the, the best way for you to live. And so, and I, oh, I don't know though. Cause like, there's, there's a phrase, who was it where, uh, Joseph in the old Testament, Joseph, the code of many colors, Joseph, mm-hmm. he said that, how can I make, how can I sin against God? And I think that phrase is really interesting because it changed my understanding of sin because I always thought of sin as being like this horrible crime that like you do and all of a sudden like you're, you're put in um, purgatory or hell depending on your beliefs. And now that I've gotten older, I think that sinning against God, what it really means is like almost offending God and like saying mm. like, that's not how like, like, so, okay, so you and I are friends, right, Curtis? Yes. And 
you and I have like a way that we treat each other. And if like, if I treated you harshly or unkindly, you would say to me like, Hey, I don't like being treated like that. If I pursued that treatment of you, you would probably terminate our friendship. Right. Yeah, Definitely. Yeah. And I think that that's kind of how it works with sin and God. I think sin is going against God's character. The point where God's like, I can't hang out with you anymore. And he severs that. That's what I think. Uh, I guess sin really is. <laughs> yeah, you kind of you 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 kind of touched on like what I've heard explained as the unpardonable sin as well. Have you heard anything about that? No, tell me about that. So basically, um, it, specifically the Avenist definition of unpardonable sin is basically um, you turn against God and refuse Him. Oh, and it's it's not something that you can accidentally stumble into. You have to consciously say, "I do not want God." Wow. And therefore, God says, I'm not going to force you to hang out with me. So um, God does not openly um, not. I think God still intercedes in everyone's lives, despite mm-hmm. of anything they've committed. Okay. But I think that it's just like God's like, I'm not going to force you to stay with me. I literally gotcha. just said what I, I just literally just repeated myself. But that's the best <laughs> I can explain it yeah Um, that makes sense and unpardonable is such a weird word and i'm pretty sure it's just manufactured by evangelicals at some point to describe like oh yeah like let's scare people into thinking they can commit this sin that they cannot be pardoned for Mm. and ultimately the unpardonable sin is just a sin that you're like hey i know i'm sinning i don't care i'm sinning um and i don't care about being with god so god's like okay i'm not gonna force you Right. And you can turn away from that at any time and say, hey, I took some steps back from you, God, and I realized that, like, I want you back. And God will be like, absolutely. Like, it's like we never left. Wow. Yeah. That's incredible, Um, too, that he can, that he's able to. I mean, like, I think in my like friendships I've had, there's some things I'm just like, whoa, like, you're not going to be friends with me ever again. Like, I might be able to forgive you. But yeah. it's, it's incredible that God can say, oh, I, I take you back. I think that's awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think circling back to what you were talking about, about us, like, um, doing something to God and how, like, that's not the same as us doing something to someone else. Um, because, yes, I feel it, it's, it's weird thinking about, like, God having feelings and, like, God being able to be hurt. Um and I don't think that God necessarily experiences hurt the same way humans do. Right. Um, but obviously us hurting God is not the same as like causing irreparable damage to another human being. Right. And God is able to be separate from that enough to where like God has a big picture to say, okay, despite what you've done, I can, I am outside of this to the point where like, I forgive you regardless. Wow. And that being said, us as Christians, we do not have to abide by that in our own lives. If someone hurts you and you're triggered even seeing them, you have no reason to stick around. Please don't. Right. Yeah. Like I've heard, I've heard that argument so many times for like survivors of domestic abuse to like, oh yeah, like you just have to like, be forgiving all times and like no that's bs like don't do that no get out 
Yeah, there's, I think humans, we just need to have our boundaries and we need to follow those boundaries. 100%. Yeah. So, okay. So, yeah. Oh, <laughs> Circling back to the ethics though, what's your understanding of sin when it comes to ethics? Like just your um, moral, your moral hmm. stance apart from religion. Okay, so we're skewing to the worldly secular aspect because I do think that, I do think sin is a subject that everyone should engage with, regardless of if you're religious or not. Yes, agree. Um, because sin slash wrongdoing, as I guess it would be more widely known as in a secular context, is like half of what humans do. Yeah. <laughs> or, I mean, at least a big percentage of what humans do. Um, and I do think that human beings, whether through um, some kind of divine intervention or through just maybe evolutionary learning what right and wrong is, like maybe like over millions of years, like human beings realize, hey, I don't really like killing people and I don't like people killing my loved ones. So I'm going to stop doing that. Yeah. And so I do think that from like a deep seated, like almost um, instinctual place, um, human beings have a sense of what is morally right. Okay. And I think that that sense can be manipulated. I mean, that's how power structures happen is literally like a, an order is set up to govern what is right and wrong and to punish for wrongdoing. And who defines what is right and wrong? Whoever's doing the punishing. Right. Oh, yeah. But aside from that, um, yeah, I think that I don't really have a I don't really have a terminal point to this to this uh, conversation. I'm just kind of thinking out loud. I don't have like a great overall point. What do you think about um, divorcing wrongdoing from religion for a second? All right. So if I were to separate the two, um, and I mean, some would argue you can't, some would argue you can't. Yes. And I've heard both arguments. I think though, that, um, humans, regardless of whether or not we're religious, like humans across like many religions have like a deep understanding of what is right and wrong. And I think that what it boils down to, I think is how we treat others I think that that's super important. I think that's super important. And I think that's almost a priority in uh, my understanding of the world and how it functions is just the treatment I have of others. And so if I were to mistreat someone, I think that would be what I would be, what I would consider to be quote unquote sinful. And I think that, um, like when it comes to how we treat each other, like it doesn't have to, I mentioned in the Christian perspective, it being Christ-like, but in the, like the worldly perspective, just like an ethical perspective, I think we can look at it and say, you know, is this harming someone? Yes or no. Fairly easily. And sometimes there's, there's questions that are like, you know, have so many different, they're so complex that you can't say that's right or wrong. You have to sit there and like think on and debate on it. And odds are like a lot of people are have different opinions, but I think at, at the root of it, we can see like, no, this is for the greater good or this is not for the greater good. And mm-hmm. that's ultimately, I think what determines it. Do you think that aside from, aside from religious 
Um, if someone is just trying to lead the highest moral life aside from religion, do you think utilitarianism, the act of trying to do the most good possible, is the highest moral standard? No. I think trying I think trying to, to do trying to do the least evil is the moral standard. Oh. Yeah. Kind of flipping it on its head. I know, right? <laughs> so how, how is that different from doing the most good as opposed to doing the least evil? I think the most doing the most good is taking every single opportunity to do to do good. Um, and I think that can be exhausting. But to do the mm-hmm. least evil would mean that when the opportunity arises to do evil, that you don't you do what's right instead and Gosh. i think that's where it's because oh, I, I i know like doing doing good all the time can be absolutely exhausting so i think having that oh well, yeah is important and i think people can be legalists aside from religion oh yeah because like if, sure because like a lot of people just do like good deeds volunteer and all that just to self-medicate yeah and let me tell you sure. self-medication is not great no matter what you're using right yep um, but yeah, I think that's a fascinating perspective. Um, I think, I feel like I say, I think a lot. <laughs> I'm going to have to ask someone who listens to these, like what my filler words are. Cause yeah. I listen to a lot of podcasts and it can get kind of annoying. It can, it can. Yeah. I'll have to do the same. Have, well, should I have like a, someone who listens just to cr- critique us? I'm going to guess I say a lot more filler words than you do. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I th- I say um a lot, so that's that's like one well, that's of my just things. a human condition. That is true. <laughs> okay, speaking of the human condition, Dell. Yes. Are we born sinful? Oh, oh. Original sin. Let's that's, talk about it. We can't talk about what question. is sin without that. You're right. That is a loaded question. A question that is old as time. Are Another we bedrock sinful? of most religions. It, it really is. It really is. Are we born sinful? I would say no. Okay, why? That is, that is <laughs> controversial, though. It is controversial. I would say no because um, I've heard uh, what, what I've heard in the argument is that from a moment a child is born, they are selfish, but I don't know that selfishness is sinfulness. Ooh! oh man yes <laughs> yes oh i want to get into this in a yes. second but continue okay i think that um i think that sin is like i said earlier being un being unkind i was almost like uncruel being unkind and cruel <laughs> to other people and to other things that live too like cruelty to animals i think is sinful and things like that my dog just gave me a dirty look when i said that <laughs> <laughs> he was just like amen <laughs> exactly no she yeah um i i can't i can't imagine doing something that to, to an animal or to a person being cruel and i think that's where it is but with a baby is born they're not born being cruel right off the bat that comes with time and with um interactions with other living things but yes they're selfish but i don't think that's sinful what do you think all right so i'll start by um talking about my perspective on original sin and then getting into the whole selfishness thing. Because self, the selfishness thing has been something I've been thinking about a lot the last four to five months. Okay. Um, so starting with the original sin, um, I actually agree with you. 
Yeah. This is, this is also something I've been considering lately. It's like, um, people always want to like harp on the fact that like, oh yeah, like babies just like want what's best for them. And I'm like, yeah, because they're trying to friggin' survive. Right. Like mm-hmm. until like you gain consciousness, you are basically an animal. Right. Yes. And you want to survive. And we don't, we don't call our dogs sinful for wanting treats. Right. And now there is, there is a lot of moral baggage with everything I just said. It's like, oh, are you saying that babies are like the same moral level as dogs? No, but they function about the same. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So um, that's one thing. And a lot of, I've even heard people say that like, because babies are inherently sinful that like if a baby dies it automatically goes to hell have you heard that oh my god that's terrible yeah, it's I've some horrific stuff oh my goodness and, that's terrible yeah and it's also like an argument people use for like anti-abortion debates which is like that is an inhumane argument i hope no one who's listened to this has ever done that because if you do you should go and apologize to every single person you told that to right that is horrendous um but I think, and I, back when I was preaching from time to time, oh. I, uh, I was actually wanting to preach about um, kind of, instead of original sin, original godliness. Okay. And how, like, um, so you have the Genesis account, you have, like, the creation myths, and I use myths, not in a sense of like, this is 100% false, but in a sense of like traditions that right. Christians have. Mm-hmm. Um, and those hold that uh, people were made in the image of God. Right. And I think most people would agree with me. That does not mean that God has two ears, two eyes, and two legs. Right, right. Like, God exceeds that. Yep. Um. So what does it mean when we are made in the image of God? I think that in a lot, in a lot of ways, that means that we are conscious. Oh, okay. And that consciousness is obviously one ingredient to godliness and being like God. Mm-hmm. Um, but it also means that we are capable of immense good which is what God is. God is good. Right. Now, do I think that human beings are in the essence of good like God is? No, I don't believe that. Um, Because obviously we are flawed and we have the ability for evil. I don't think God has the ability to do evil. Okay. Um, And I think that circling back to our aliens discussion when we talked about the limitations of God. Right. Um, I think that is a huge one. Yeah. And I think it's a positive limitation. And I think God would agree with me. Okay. Okay. I like that confidence <laughs> you have there. <laughs> I mean, I, I might have sounded a little bit cult leaderish there, but um, <laughs> look it up in the Bible. You can study it for yourself. I'm I'm not going to harshly criticize you for it. Um, but I think that from, from the moment you're born, you have 
the ability for good and evil. And I don't think that means that you are by default evil because of that. I think that's stupid. Okay. So let's talk a little bit about selfishness and okay. the Christian relationship with, with selfishness. I wasn't even planning to talk about this. I'm glad you brought it up. <laughs> I was like, how are we going to fill an hour with sin talk? Oh, we can do it. It's like, <laughs> oh, we can do it. Mm-hmm. Okay. So Dell, I think that Christians have bastardized the word selfish. Oh, okay. I think they butchered it and harmed it and completely made it a taboo for no reason at all. Okay. Kind of like sex. Okay, yeah. Because I, I'm i sure, I think you were alluding to this before, a lot of people think of the opposite of good is not evil. The opposite of good is selfishness. Mm. And I'm like, well, I mean, depends how you define selfishness, bro. Right. Because the way a lot of people make it sound is that love of self is selfishness Mm. and to me you can't love god or love anybody else before you have self-love true yes yep and if you're not looking out for yourself you can't do any good or i mean you pretty much only do bad right like people we've we've met people and we ourselves have had times where we haven't looked out for ourselves Mm-hmm. and everybody suffers yep you're absolutely right and calling a baby selfish is just insane don't do that right yeah and well I think also selfishness itself is not necessarily a bad thing I think sometimes it can be a really good thing and to sit here and like say for me to say oh well a baby is sinful because it's selfish is like well I'm selfish in ways and I should be selfish in ways in some ways I shouldn't be but in well, some give ways me some I examples be. Uh, I'm selfish with my time as in like I I know where I need it to be in order to get to where I want to go in life and so I put my energy my time where I need it to be and I'm selfish in that and that I want it for my success and yes I'll like sacrifice certain time for people and for friends and family but I'm selfish in that my priority is my success yeah and I think that people kind of wrap up like any kind of like self relationship with selfishness Mm -hmm. and it's largely to their own detriment because I've met a lot of people with a lot of religious zeal and they are quote-unquote kingdom builders who want to build up God's kingdom and evangelize to everyone and I'm like when was the last time you sat back and had an honest conversation with yourself about yourself right because guess what people think that like oh yeah if you meditate and like do a lot of like this weird Eastern stuff, you're going to lose sight of God and God's going to like retract themselves from you. And I'm like, listen, literally, if you just say, Hey God, I'm going to spend some time with myself. Obviously I don't want you to leave, but can you kind of just hang out with me while I do that? God will be like, absolutely. I created you for this. Right. Yeah. Like meditation and introspection is not selfish. No. No. And maybe maybe I'm just maybe I'm just building like a straw man fallacy. Straw man fallacy is when you build up like a really weak argument mm-hmm. and then just knock it down. Right. Um but you've heard people talk like this, yeah? Yeah, I have definitely. 
Definitely. And you can't properly share whatever light you have with other people before you properly explore that within yourself. That is true. Yeah. I think that, and also it's, I think understanding yourself thoroughly. And I've told, I've told clients this before is you can't love life and you can't love others until you know yourself and love yourself. And so prioritizing that is really, really important. Mm. Remind the audience what, what you're going to school for. Oh, I'm going to school to be a therapist. <laughs> Heck so, yeah, she is. Yes, yeah, so I see I, I see clients as a therapist, but I work under someone else's license right now. Nice. Yeah, it's fun. <laughs> yeah, I'm not doing that. But uh, <laughs> I do like I do like being an armchair therapist. Yeah. Yeah. But you'll be an actual therapist and then uh, you can charge me for coming on the podcast. Oh, goodness gracious. <laughs> oh, it feels wrong. And I've never really talked about this, but it feels wrong to charge people for mental health services. And I know that like we have to, to make a living, but mm -hmm. it just feels wrong to me. I don't know why it just does. Well, I mean, that means you're just a good person though. Oh, thank you. <laughs> because I think that if anybody becomes like a doctor or like a, a healthcare professional or especially a healthcare CEO, let me tell you. Oh, um, if they start it from a place of like, hey, I'm going to make a lot of money doing this, then, uh, hey, you, uh, you might not be an evil person, but that is an evil way to think. Yeah, that is true. Yeah. Ooh, let's talk about that for a second. What's the difference yes. between evil and evil way of thinking? Ooh, okay. I guess first we have to define if we believe that truly evil people exist. Oh, Oh my, that's a deep question. <laughs> oh man, we're, we're talking about so much dark stuff today. I know, um, so many rabbit holes. So, okay, Del, um, what, what, what do you define as an evil person? Like whether you believe it, or it exists or not, what would you define an evil person as? I would define an evil person as someone who seeks to do injustice or cause harm to others intentionally. No, oh, well, in that case, I definitely believe evil people exist. <laughs> <laughs> case shut. Case okay, closed. Closed. What do you define evil people to be? Um, that's a good question. I've never thought about it. Oh. Um, I guess, like, since I'm a nerd... I, I kind of more define evil as like, oh, like what's like the villain archetype or like someone who's like not only trying to like do harm to people, but to do the most amount of harm possible for their own selfish um, benefit. Mm, okay. And I mean, in that case, you'd have like historical figures like Hitler and like Genghis Khan and Stalin and those types of like people who perpetuated like murder and genocide on a scale that like at that point had never even been seen before. Right. So that would definitely follow under your definition of evil. Those people would be considered evil. Yes. Yes. Most definitely. <laughs> most definitely. Now, do you think that, do you think that there is any coming back from the point where a person is evil? Yes and no. So here's Ooh, what I think. Okay. I'm glad yeah. you said both. <laughs> I think just that saying yes would be kind of boring it would be a little bit boring I think that um 
an evil person. I okay, going back to that. I think an evil person. I think you can do evil things and not be evil. I think there's a threshold you cross over where mm-hmm. your go-to is that evil act. Now, but even with that, I think there is a point where you can turn back towards good and if good is the opposite of evil, which I'm not sure that it is, but just for the sake of discussion, turn mm-hmm. towards good. And when you turn towards that good though, that's you start out with one decision. And it's because your habit is to be evil, it's very difficult for your following decisions to then be good. It might be easier because you've made that one good decision, but staying consistently good is a challenge. And so, yes, I think you can come back. However, I think it's extremely rare because we, we, we're, people, we're, we're creatures of habit. We're creatures of mm-hmm. habit. And if we're in the habit of being evil, I think that eventually we will be consumed by it. So basically, you use an addiction model when it comes to evil. I, I guess I do. Yeah. Yeah. Because, I mean, obviously, like, in, in addictions, there's certain points that you pass where, like, okay, I'm doing this thing, like, once a week, and, like, it's not great for me, but, like, at least I have a, a handle on it. But then, right. like, when you, like, can't go a certain amount of time without doing it, and your, like, your being is dependent on it, mm-hmm. then, well, I mean, that's an evil person. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It's, it's so complex. And I think that what you're saying about like the the further you go down that road, like it's not impossible to come back, but we absolutely should not give them the benefit of the doubt. Right. And I think we see this a lot. Like there's a lot of like sexual abuse reckonings going on right now. Um, obviously we saw it go on with the Catholic church a few years ago. We're seeing it start to bubble up in the Baptist, the Southern Baptist movement right now. And it's only a matter of time before that this hits Adventists hard. Mm. because unfortunately how organized religion is set up is to protect abusers yeah and to quote unquote pray the abusers into either reforming or shutting up Mm. and as we just said someone who is literally like perpetuated evil for like 40 to 50 years even sometimes Mm -hmm. they're not just gonna circle back and be like oh i'm good now because i got caught right like don't trust those people right if they claim that like they have had a come to jesus moment that's fantastic keep them in a box away from your kids yeah Yeah. like this is this is the real world and like god is all about space and giving people space and he literally made the children of Israel to stand apart because the rest of the civilizations around them were so friggin' evil mm-hmm. and were just like sacrificing their children. So like God is not about like keeping abusers around to mess up again. Doesn't mean you can't quote unquote love them, but you have to love your children more. <laughs> And protect right. them. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. What are some other thoughts you have, though? Well, it's interesting you bring up protecting other people because I wonder what well, you're, well, I wonder what you think. I wonder what you think about the, the when you, hmm, the bystander effect. When you observe something happening and you just stand by with everybody else because no one else is intervening. How does mm-hmm. that play into 
like are you a part of the problem in that case are you a part of oh, absolutely yeah so then if 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 um how does that relate to sin like does that Ooh. tie into sin at all i think i have a great analogy maybe it sucks but i'll let you be the judge of that though okay <laughs> so the bystander effect and like basically being um being an observer being an enabler to evil is a lot like secondhand smoke because say you don't smoke a cigarette in your entire life but you marry someone who does and you inhale that secondhand smoke for 30 40 years eventually it's going to kill you too mm. and eventually enabling evil is going to rot your soul from the inside out got you okay yeah. at least that's my perspective what's your thought i know i like that I like that a lot i think um the the rot your soul analogy is excellent thank you thank you yes well said and just like secondhand smoke like people rarely get addicted to it mm -hmm. um and it is easier to leave that situation than it is to say i'm gonna quit smoking right um but it's also a lot easier to not realize it's happening oh yeah you're right mm -hmm. and it's a lot more subtle Right. And sometimes being an enabler is as simple as, say, um, you're hanging out with your people. One of them drops like a homophobic joke or something. Mm -hmm. And you don't laugh. You don't like, you don't even smile. You just don't say anything. That's just a tiny piece of your soul that rotted away right there. Oh, okay. Wow. Because you didn't, you didn't stand up for what you believe. Right. And I mean, it's not that you have to like be like this warrior of justice all the time, but like God does not expect us to just allow evil to happen over and over again. I think also like there's, cause there's certain moments like I've experienced, especially like in therapy or like as the therapist where I can't say something because um, it would be, it would not be beneficial to my client. For yeah that, absolutely yeah and i think though like internally sometimes i have to say to myself like if to, i have to say what i would say out loud if i was not in a session i have to say it to myself to remind mm -hmm. myself of like what i believe is right and wrong um especially coming from the background i come from and um i grew up on a military base and i grew up <clears throat> i'm losing my voice i grew up in a very like um uh how do i say this I guess like I was very privileged growing up and a lot of my friends mm -hmm. were privileged. And even to this day, like there's a lot of like racist comments I'll hear among my, my close friends and not you. <laughs> Just to clarify. <laughs> thank you. Friends. Thank you for not outing me uh, <laughs> as a racist, which yes. I am indeed not. Right, right. And um, and I say friends, but sometimes it's family members, which is actually mm -hmm. what, what I'm more thinking of. And, you know, you can't sometimes you can't cut out family. Sometimes that's not appropriate. Sometimes that's more harm than good. Sometimes but, it's not an option. Right. Yeah. And so there's been many like and I have a huge family, so no one's going to figure out who I'm talking about. I have a massive family, <laughs> but sometimes I've been at like a certain relative's house and they'll say something. And I know that like, it'll cause more harm than good for me to sit there and argue with them. Cause I know I'm not going to change their mind and they know where I stand and I know where they stand. And so I often, I will um, make like a small comment, like, well, I don't know if that's really like appropriate and then mm -hmm. I'll drop it. 
but inside I'm going to say like, that's not appropriate because, and I have to list out the reasons why it's not appropriate because Mm -hmm. if I don't, then I might not understand it. I can't, I can't fully understand because my background is what it is, Mm -hmm. but I can at least try to be culturally aware. So that's what you mean. You mean that my incredibly black and white argument isn't, doesn't hold up a hundred percent of the time. (laughs) No, I think that's, I think that's excellent. What you just said. Um, because um, it's easy for me to sit on like my pious mountain and be like, hey, you should never allow injustice in any form at all or else you're evil. And like, that's, that if, if you just take that for what it is, like that's, that doesn't help anybody because right. there's so much more nuance to people. And oftentimes um, someone saying something hateful or hurtful plays into more of their own ignorance and their own lack of education, then they're the actual malice that's going on in their heart. Right. Wow. Well said. And I think that um, it is good to like try to reach out to those people um, and not saying that like you should do it all the time and you're a bad person if you don't, but like kind of get to know them, realize like where they're coming from so that we can, so that you can adequately judge like, okay, what's going to reach this person? Are they going to stop saying this harmful stuff if I say it personally hurts me? Because like oftentimes people cannot or haven't taught themselves to empathize with anybody outside of their inner circle. Right. And um, I didn't even know how to empathize with LGBT people until I met someone who is LGBT. And like, I am ashamed to say that because you should just look at people and say, you're people, you matter, I affirm you. But like for a lot of people born in like a privileged bubble, like I was, and you were as well. Um, it's hard to like look outside of that and say like, these people are people. Right. So sometimes the best way to reach those people is not to be like, how dare you speak about this group of people that way? Like, don't you know this, this, and this about them? Instead of doing that, start off with like, hey, that hurt my feelings. Right. Or that hurts me. And then they're like, oh, I never really thought about it that way. And like, I care about you. So why are you hurting? Right. And then kind of because you're hurting because you empathize and you can take that empathy and hopefully trans- transfer it onto someone else. And I should absolutely take my own advice. I have not done this all the time in my life either. Mm-hmm. What are your thoughts yeah. on all that? No, I think that's an excellent point. I think that's important to keep in mind, um, especially um, when we're trying to grapple with our own, uh, I guess, character flaws. So excellent point. And keep in mind the the deconstructing podcast um, theme of dialogue over debate. Yes, dialogue over debate. Conversations change people. Debates just make people dig in. Exactly, exactly. Well said. Yeah. So, Dell, did you have anything else you wanted to cover about the sin issue? You know, I think we pretty much covered it. That was a very, very lively discussion. <laughs> Lots of very interesting rabbit holes. I appreciate the rabbit holes. I preached a couple times. That's all right. We all preach here and there. <laughs> I mean, I feel like that's that's a solid uh, that's a solid bit of chemistry built up for like. I preach for a little while and then you kind of bring me back kind of like, okay, how about this, this, and this? Everything's not black <laughs> and white, bro. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah. I think that's a theme that we have both in our friendship and on this podcast. <laughs> and I'm just, I'm just glad we're both self-aware to realize it. <laughs> yes, I agree. I agree. And it's, it's a road we can, must continue to walk on lest we lose the self-awareness. Yes, definitely. Definitely. So yeah, next week we're going to talk about something else. Um, who's to know what we're going to talk about? Um, it could be anything. <laughs> it could be anything. It's your pick next week, right? Oh man, yep. That yeah. means that uh, Delaney is going to send me three options, mm-hmm. some of which we might have thought of before, some maybe new ones, and mm-hmm. I will select it. And uh, maybe we'll talk about sex for like the fourth time in six weeks. <laughs> odds are high (laughs) yes (laughs) wait what two young 20 somethings thinking about sex i know that makes no sense (laughs) oh no i'm excited for next week and um yeah it's gonna be a good episode i'm sure i'm excited for it so del did you want to plug anything um follow me on instagram projects yeah follow me on instagram that's where everything is announced and everything so it's <laughs> that's at, where all the magic happens that's where all the magic happens i don't even know my instagram i mean i know that it's a fake redhead i don't know like all of like the there's like an underscore let me look hang on um yeah you got this though i got this it's a underscore fake underscore redhead so follow me and then uh, go ahead and give me a follow as well i am at curtis cooper 64 no dashes no fancy things i was able to get my name next to my favorite number because of the Nintendo 64 video games rule. I was about to ask for the 64. <laughs> should have known. <laughs> but of course, but of course. Of course. Maybe one day I'll find a way to force the video game issue into deconstruct. Oh, maybe we can talk down. about like maybe we can talk about like quote unquote sinful media. That'd be fun. Ooh, that would be interesting. We should put that on the list. Possibly, possibly. But as always signing off I am Curtis Cooper. And I am Delaney. And this has been Deconstructing. Have a fabulous week. See you next time.